Good morning. Scripture this morning will be Psalm 107, verses 21 through 22. If you're using the Red Pewback Bible in front of you, that'll be page 507. Psalm 107, verse 21 through 22. And it reads, Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Perhaps you have heard of, in our country, this idea of Christmas in July, as if there wasn't enough attention given to the holiday of Christmas in the month of December and now encroaching upon the, the holiday of Thanksgiving in November, there's this idea of Christmas in July. I submit to you this morning that maybe we should give some time to Thanksgiving in June. As we, as we sometimes think about what happens in our society around us, the very day of Thanksgiving has become a day even now in which much shopping occurs and Black Friday begins to overshadow, uh, overshadow the, the events of Thanksgiving and, and the attitudes and the ideas, the things that should surround those that day. I would submit that maybe it would be a good idea for our country to maybe just move Thanksgiving up a few months and, and maybe all of us get together in the middle of the year and really think about those things so that it can be far removed from maybe what's going on the, the next month, the weeks following uh, the, the, the Friday or the Thursday in November that we traditionally celebrate it. But as we think about Thanksgiving, it's a holiday that is, that is unique. It's a holiday that is, is one that we all perhaps love. It's one that we uh, enjoy spending time with our family, our friends. But this holiday, this day of Thanksgiving in the month of November is, is not the only day, as, as we all are all aware, no doubt, that you and I should be thankful. In fact, it is a characteristic, it is a quality, it is a, a trait that you and I ought to possess each and every day. It is something that we ought to be in the habit of practicing regularly. It is something that that Jesus, that God expects of us. As you think about what Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 18, he said, in everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So many times, many in the world, many in the church, wonder, what is God's will for me? What is it that he desires for me? And though this particular phrase in everything giving thanks is is found among a list of other things, we certainly find right next to it that God's will for us in Christ Jesus is to be people of thanks. He wants us to be that way. We have much to be thankful for. We have much to show gratitude to our God for. And we'll discuss some of those things towards the end of our lesson this morning. But I want us first this morning to think about gratitude, to think about thankfulness. And open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter number 18. Luke chapter number 18, we're actually going to consider four qualities or characteristics, things to think about, truths about thankfulness and about gratitude. What we're going to do is begin in Luke chapter number 18 and consider a passage of scripture there. Then we'll move to chapter 17 and then chapter 16 and then chapter 15. We'll find a truth about gratitude, about thanksgiving from each one of these chapters, something for us to learn, something for us to consider. Number one, I want us to consider that gratitude is a matter of the heart. 
It is a matter of the heart. Look with me at Luke chapter number 18, beginning of verse number 10. Jesus is telling a parable. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee would have been looked at as the one who was the religious elite, the one who had it all together, the one who knew what it was to be a follower of God, whereas the tax collector would have been looked down upon with disdain as someone who did not know what it meant to be a follower of God, someone who was a traitor, someone who was looked at as dishonest because of the the fact that sometimes they took a little bit off the top for themselves. And so there's this comparison between this Pharisee and this tax collector, and they're both going down to pray. Verse number 11, the Pharisee stood and he prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me a sinner. Thanksgiving, brothers, sisters, friends, Thanksgiving is not just a matter of words that we express or a holiday that we celebrate, but it is a heart, an attitude that you and I are to emulate in our everyday lives. It's not simply just words or actions, but it is having the right attitude. We talk about this in John chapter number four, in which Jesus talks about worship That worship is to be in spirit and in truth. That is, we are to worship as God is prescribed in the New Testament, but we are to also do that as equally as important with the right attitude, with the right heart, with the right mindset. And I would submit to you this morning that if we are people that that practice the, the actions of thanksgiving, that say that we are thankful, that maybe say thank you to our parents or thank you to other individuals that maybe we appreciate, but we don't really have a heart of gratitude that really truly appreciates what, they're, what they've done for us, what others have done for us, that we are not truly a people of gratitude and not following after the will of God in Christ Jesus for us. So thanksgiving, gratitude, it's a matter of the heart. But turning back a page or so in your Bible, look at chapter 17. Consider that gratitude, that thanksgiving is a matter of personal choice. It's a matter of personal choice. You'll recall that when Jesus was going to Jerusalem, that he passed through, verse number 11, the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and they said to Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, their leprosy was cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving Jesus thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. I would ask the question this morning, do you think that the other nine individuals, the other nine lepers, do you think that they were thankful for their newfound healing? 
I would submit that absolutely they were thankful. They, they certainly, in their mind at least, would have expressed gratitude for their newfound circumstances. I want us to think about the fact, as we'll talk about a little bit more in a moment, that, that people can be thankful even when they are unbelievers. But in this particular case, these individuals were thankful for their circumstances, but they did not take the time in a matter of personal choice to make their way back to Jesus, except for this one man who found his way back to Jesus to give him thanks. It's a matter of personal choice. It's a matter in which we ourselves ought to take the initiative to make sure that we express that gratitude with the right heart, as we just said a moment ago. But even if we are thankful in our hearts, if we never do actually express that gratitude and thankfulness, then we have fallen short in what God expects of us to be a thankful people. So gratitude, thankfulness is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of personal choice, but consider back another chapter, that gratitude is a matter of eternal destination. It's not just something that is kind of important, but rather it has eternal implications. Look in your Bibles at Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. We have the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, in which Jesus says in verse number 19, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes, and he saw Abraham afar off, and there was Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great goal fixed, so that, there, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you then, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead." Gratitude is a matter of the heart. Gratitude is a matter of personal choice. But it seems that it was the case for this rich man that he lost sight of what was truly important. He was an individual that he he lived, fared sumptuously every day. He indulged in every single physical blessing that he could indulge in. He was someone that that walked by this man, Lazarus, who was full of sores and did not even, as it seems, perhaps spare the crumbs to this man, Lazarus. But you think about in verse number 25, Abraham said, you received your good things, but Lazarus, he received evil things. But as you think about this man, this rich man, I wonder if why he was saying, 
Send Lazarus, send someone back from the dead to go to my father, to go to my brothers. I wonder as you think about maybe in that time period, there, there being this idea of perhaps familial wealth and that, that as you think maybe like the parable of the prodigal son, that, that if, your, if your father was rich, then you were rich and you had a great inheritance coming to you. This man, Lazarus, this man, this rich man was an individual that I wonder if he saw in his family perhaps the very same things that he dealt with, that he struggled with, wanting them to know that it was a matter of eternal consequence to be an individual that was focused only on the physical, that was focused only on the material that was not an individual that made gratitude something at the forefront of their mind. You think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 24 that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Gratitude is a matter of the heart. It's a matter, to, a matter of personal choice. It's a matter of eternal destination. But perhaps you find yourself as an individual that struggles with gratitude in your life. I want us to consider that gratitude is a matter that can be learned. It's a matter that can be learned Look at chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. We just mentioned the parable of the prodigal son, the parable of the lost son, in which this young man went to his father, verse number 12, and said, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. We talked about this parable in our camp sessions this last week at Bandina. We brought up the point that it seems as though maybe this young man, as he goes to his father and says this to him, it's almost as if the father could have read into these words, Father, I wish that you were just dead. I wish it were that you were just dead. That, that if you would just go ahead and give me your inheritance, because you know that's what's going to happen to me after. I'm going to get those things that are due me after you die. So go ahead and give them to me now. I, I wish those things are more important to me right now. That was the type of heart. That was the type of attitude, the type of mindset that this younger son had. But we do find that as you know the rest of the story, this young man goes and wastes his possessions with prodigal living, wasteful living. He's an individual that finds himself in the pigsties eating the the pig's food. And he comes to himself and he says in his mind, my son and my father have servants that have greater things that I have right this very moment, and my father has all of that and to spare. And he goes back to his father, and notice with me in verse 20. He arose and came to his father, and when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. Certainly, this could be viewed as a a beautiful example of an individual that went from someone who was only focused on the physical, the material, not concerned about being a person of gratitude, not concerned about being a person of thankfulness, to then changing his tune and being someone who recognized that he had sinned, recognized that his father would continue to be gracious to him because he says, he asked him to be a servant of his. He says that... I will go to my father and I will say to him, make me like one of your hired servants. In verse number 19, this young man, as he thought about where he'd erred, where he'd gone wrong, he certainly realized that he had not been 
a person of gratitude, a person of thankfulness, thinking about all of the blessings that had come his way. You know, this young man had not just wasted his inheritance. He had also wasted time with his father, wasted time with his family, wasted time improving the, the, whole, the household and its estate, thinking about all the things that he could have done while he w- could have still been at home. He wasted all of that, not just the possessions, he wasted all of those things as well. And he realized as he went back to his father that he had sinned and he learned the attitude of gratitude through this. I want you to open your Bibles and turn with me to Colossians chapter number one. What we're going to do the time that we have remaining is consider three pictures of ingratitude in the Old Testament. But what I want us to do is hold our fingers in Colossians chapter number one because we're going to continue to come back to this section of Scripture for the remainder of of our lesson this morning. But as you think about the expectation of a Christian, of a Christian that the will of God for us is to be people that give thanks in every circumstance, I want us to notice three things that the Christian ought to be thankful for. Because as we said a moment ago, there are many things for which even the unbeliever can be thankful but I believe that there are at least three things that Christians must especially be thankful for and only Christians can be thankful for. And they are that Christians have, number one, an inheritance. An inheritance. Number two, that Christians have been given deliverance. That they've been given deliverance. And that number three, that we have an opportunity to show reverence to God who is the preeminent one in Jesus Christ. Consider with me in pictures of these things the account of Esau. Hold your finger in Colossians chapter number one and look at Genesis chapter number 25 with me. Genesis chapter number 25. You'll recall the account in which Esau comes back from hunting in the fields and he is just worn out and tired so much so that he wants to sell his birthright to his younger brother Jacob for a pot of stew. And I want us to particularly notice that in verse number 34, that Esau sells this birthright because he, at the end of verse 34, despised it. Despised it. Now, that's the way that my particular version translates this word. And we can understand that what is meant by that is that he he looked down upon it. He did not consider it to be of equal value to the stew, the the pot of soup that he exchanged it for. The idea here is that Esau disesteemed, disesteemed or devalued what was at, what was already in his possession. You see, Esau had this great birthright and if he were in his right mind, no doubt he would have valued it much, much more. But here he is as someone who is now devaluing it He would have received the chief portion of the inheritance. He would be in a position of familial importance in the patriarchal age. And as as the recipient of this birthright, when his father died, he would have assumed the role of the authority figure in the family. And he gives away all of this for a pot of soup. Do you realize that even today there are Christians that despise their spiritual inheritance? 
that despise their spiritual inheritance. It's not that the, as though they, they hate it, as maybe we think of that word despise. It's not as though they look at their inheritance and they say, I wish I didn't have it, but rather they're like Esau in which they disesteem it, they devalue it, they don't compare it in a right fashion to the other things of the world. I would dare say that every Christian would have at least some sort of value placed on their inheritance, that I don't think that any Christian would say, I don't want my inheritance that comes through Jesus Christ, but rather they're like Esau, and they compare what's in the moment, the sins and the pleasures of the world, to that which is their inheritance, and they say, you know what, normally I would perceive my inheritance to be up here and all the things of the world down here, but I'm going to devalue my inheritance in this moment and place the things of, that are fleeting in this world and place those to be more valuable in my mind than my spiritual inheritance. Do you do that? Do you ever, in your life, take the time to devalue your spiritual inheritance? Looking back at Colossians chapter number one, we must give thanks for our inheritance. Colossians chapter number one, verse number 12 Consider with me that, that Paul says that we are to give thanks, to give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. We're to give thanks for the inheritance that is coming to us by way of Jesus Christ. That ought to be at the forefront of our mind. There are many things, as we said, that we can be thankful for. And we can sit around at the table at Thanksgiving and we can thank God for the roofs over our heads. We can thank God for the blessing of the food, the bounty that is spread before us. We can thank God for the family that we have. But you know what? Not everyone in this world has those things. Not everyone is blessed with a roof that costs us some 10 to 15, 20,000 dollars sometimes. Not everyone is blessed with a table that has a bounty of food spread across it. Not everyone is blessed to have a physical family that is so loving to them and is always with them on these holidays. But you know what, as a Christian, you and I can always, always be thankful for our inheritance that comes through Jesus Christ. But not only that, I want us to consider, go back in your Bibles to Judges chapter number eight. Judges chapter number eight, holding your finger there in Colossians chapter number one, I want us to consider another situation in which someone was ungrateful, showed ingratitude. We've considered Esau, how he disesteemed, he devalued his birthright, but consider now the children of Israel in Judges chapter eight, verses 32 through 35. Some background, if you'll recall, in Judges chapter number seven, Gideon leads an army of 300 men to defeat the Midianites who were said to have been uncountable as grasshoppers that's how large they were. That's how daunting the task seemed. How impossible the, the quest seemed for 300 men to conquer those individuals. But in Judges chapter number eight, as Gideon passes away, look at verse number 32. Now Gideon the son of Joash died at a good old age and was buried in the tomb of Joash's father in Ophrah, of the Abyssalites. So it was as soon as Gideon was dead that the children of Israel played again the harlot with the Baals and made Baal-bereath their God. Thus the children of Israel did not remember 
the Lord their God, who had delivered them from the hands of all of their enemies on every side, nor did they show kindness to the house of Gideon in accordance with the good that he had done for Israel. You know, this isn't the only time that we see this happening, right? It's just, it seems as this, this is the attitude of the children of Israel. Just a few miles into their wilderness wanderings, they begin to forget that God had delivered them from the oppression in Egypt. And here they are, they begin to say, Moses, you've delivered us into this wilderness to die. And you, we look back and we think about all the things that we had to eat and, and maybe we were oppressed, but at least we had those things. And the children of Israel were forgetting what had been done for them, the deliverance that they had received by the hand of Moses. Here they are again, forgetting that through the hand of Gideon, God had delivered them from the hands of the Midianites with just 300 soldiers. Do you realize that even today, Christians show again their lack of thankfulness through their forgetfulness that the victory has already been won? that God has already delivered you from the grasp of Satan, that he has already conquered death, and because of that, death no longer holds its sting, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And as you think about all of this, we must give thanks for our deliverance from the grasp of sin. The former life that you and I had, not just being thankful for the inheritance that we look forward to, but being thankful for the here and now in which you and I are blessed with having been delivered from a life of heartache and suffering and pain because of the consequences of sin. No, we don't mean that there won't be difficulty in the life of a Christian, but we do mean that because of sin in our own personal lives, because Jesus Christ has delivered, it fr- delivered us from those things that you and I have been delivered and have the victory already. Think back to the deliverance that the 10 lepers received. Certainly they were thankful for the fact that they were delivered from that leprosy, but only one remembered to return and be thankful to Jesus who had done that for them. Are we like sometimes the children of Israel in which God has delivered us from the ways of our old life and we only begin to worry about the things that are in our life now, we begin to worry about the future, we begin to worry about eternity, all the while forgetting that God has delivered us already and he will continue to deliver us and he will, has already delivered us over the power of death. Colossians chapter number one, turn back there with me if your finger's still there. We said verse 12, Paul said, giving thanks to the Father who has, inherit, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us or conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. We once were people that were in darkness. We once were people who were lost, but God has taken us and He has delivered us out of that darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Are you thankful for the fact that you're part of the church? Are you thankful for the fact that you have been placed into the body of believers here in Katy? We're going to talk about some of the things in just a moment that we are to be thankful for as the church here in Katy. But are you thankful for the fact that God has delivered you out of that world of darkness and put you into, added you to the church? When we start to devalue and disesteem what the church means to us, we begin to forget that God has delivered us. And finally, consider... This man named Korah, in Numbers chapter 16, 
In Numbers chapter number 16, we find an interesting account of a man who loved, much like Diotrephes, the preeminence. He was an individual that found himself having been given as a Kohathite from Numbers chapter number four, some very important responsibilities within the temple, within, within the tabernacle to having, have been an individual that was responsible for making sure that the worship that was offered to God was done so in a very specific and particular way. And he was given that task, given that responsibility. And it was one that many people surely would have looked at with, with uh, thinking about the fact that they were grateful for it. They would have looked at it as, as having been given an honorable thing to do. Instead, in Numbers chapter 16, we find that Korah goes to Moses and a couple of other individuals and they say to Moses that you exalt yourself, verse number three. You're exalting yourselves above the assembly of the Lord. In other words, they're looking at Moses and they're thinking, Moses, you, you're thinking pretty highly of yourself. What's the deal here? You know, I think that you ought to bring yourself down a few notches, Moses and Aaron. Moses responds in verse number nine, is it a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to serve them? In other words, Moses says to Korah, do you really look at the task of responsibility that you have been given as a small thing? This blessing that God has given you to be responsible for serving God's people in this way, you're neglecting it, you're looking down upon it, you're seeing it as a small thing. All of this because Korah loved the preeminence. He was an individual that looked at Moses and compared his status and said, I'm not at the same level as Moses is in his mind. When we start to do that, when we start to compare ourselves to others, when we start to compare ourselves within the church, we begin to look at maybe how can I be more preeminent? How can I have maybe a leg up over someone else? When we do that, we neglect our responsibility for showing reverence to God. Back in Colossians chapter number one, verses 14 through 18, we find that God made Jesus to be the one who was above all things the preeminent one. He is the head of the body of the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. When we think about Korah and his attitude, we need to make sure that we never have that attitude in our lives when it comes to how we worship God. When it comes to how we as individuals come together in this assembly and think, well, I wish that I was that individual teaching that class, or I wish I was that individual leading that song, or I wish I was doing this or that, fill in the blank. And we are striving for the preeminence instead of seeing the opportunity in the, that we ought to have for the thankfulness that we ought to have to be able to show reverence to God. It is not a small thing to be able to come together and worship together. It is not a small thing to have the privilege to be with God's people and worship him. Do we ever fail to give thanks for this awesome responsibility? We ought to give thanks for our inheritance. We ought to give thanks for our deliverance. We ought to give thanks for the opportunity, the privilege that you and I have to show Jesus, our Lord, reverence. 
Or do you look at it as just a small, insignificant thing? This morning, we here at the Katy Church have so much to be thankful for. We have 11 wonderful elders who labor here in a way that is, is so conscientious. I'm privileged to be able to sit in many of those meetings and hear their hearts pouring out on the table and thinking about where this congregation is going, where it's been, what, what's on the horizon, caring for many families here in this congregation who are hurting, counseling them and reaching out to them and helping them because they want to be your shepherds. We're blessed with some 36, 37, I can't remember however many deacons it is now. Many wonderful men who are willing to serve, to be literally servants, that word meaning, uh, deacons meaning a servant. Those that go about their tasks and their duties fulfilling these things on a regular basis. Bible class teachers. So many Bible class teachers that have put in so many years I think about just the special nature that it is for my son week in and week out to receive a letter in the mail from his Bible class teacher, Miss Annie Joe. A letter saying, we're gonna study this and we, we, we studied this last week and, and it's not just the Sunday morning or the Wednesday night, but during the week. We're so blessed here at the Katy Church because of our buildings and grounds and the many things that, that go on here, the, the, the ability that we have to worship in comfortable pews and, and air-conditioned buildings and, and, and have so much to our disposal, at our disposal with the education building and our fellowship hall, so much that we can be thankful for. A thriving community around us that's growing with which we can share the gospel. So many young families, which the church so many times is lamenting. What's the future of the church? Is there going to be uh, faithful members of the Lord's body down the road many generations from now? And you look around in this congregation and so many faithful young families, a youth program that invests hours upon hours in our young people. Just this last week at Camp Bandina, in which our, one of our own, Jack Stewart, was baptized. So something to be thankful for this morning. A church family that is made up of people from all walks of life with over 20 different nations represented in this body of people. Many different races and nationalities. People from all different areas of the globe coming together as part of one family. So much to be thankful for. And our special contribution last week, do you realize that the fact, despite the fact that gas prices are, are, are rising astronomically, that just this last Sunday, this congregation gave nearly $100,000. We've already nearly met our goal for the year in our special contribution. This, car, this congregation is so generous. This congregation, as you think about what we talked about with the, with the rich man earlier, I don't see that in this congregation, right? Despite the fact that we have individuals here that are blessed physically and monetarily, these individuals, I believe, are not like those that are said of, of Jesus in Matthew chapter 19, of it being easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for that rich man, because we have rich men and women here in this congregation who so generously give to the work of the church here. We have a couple of secretaries that you have no idea how much they do behind the scenes. That have so much going on, so much love, labor of love that they have going on behind the scenes that we ought to be thankful for them. Have you told them thank you lately? 
I would encourage you to do so. We have some older ladies who in this congregation are walking down the aisle. I see a couple just down the aisle here that, that have some walkers. It's not easy for them to get down to their pew. Here's another one over here, an older gentleman, my brother Witt, who spent many years preaching, laboring as a preacher of the gospel. So many things to be thankful for in this congregation. Just before camp started, I was sitting in my office and I saw Kent Bruno's car pull up. I didn't know what he was doing there, just sitting there in the parking lot for a minute. And then I saw a new Christian within the last couple of years, Abby Mulchan, get out and he got in the car with Kent. And then another new Christian, Brother Jesse James, get out of his car and he got in the car with Kent. And I don't know what they went off to do that day, but we have older men mentoring other new Christians. Though they're about the same age, taking time to encourage them and build them up. We have so much to be thankful for in this congregation here at Katy. But you know, there are some congregations of the Lord's people that don't have maybe all the things that we're blessed with here. Maybe they're not physically, monetarily blessed like we are. Maybe, maybe there's not as many men that are qualified to serve as elders. Maybe, maybe there's not as many young families, but you know what? Every single Christian can be thankful for our inheritance, our deliverance, the opportunity to show reverence to our God, giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Are you doing that this morning? Are you a person of gratitude? Are you thankful for the inheritance that you have, for the deliverance you've received, for the blessing of showing reverence to God? If you're not being thankful for those things this morning, I'd encourage you to make that right with God. Or if you're not a Christian this morning, come find a taste of what it's like to be a Christian because I promise you, you will find gratitude in this life beyond what you could ever be grateful for in a life that is not in Christ. If we can help you some way this morning, we ask that you come as together we stand and as we sing.